I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the Acquisitions Editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. Hi, I'm here today with Bernie Tobish, the author of You and Your Sewing Machine, A Sewist's Guide to Troubleshooting, Maintenance, Tips, and Techniques from Bernie Fixes Sewing Machines and the Acorn Precision Piecing Products. Um, so how are you doing, Bernie? I'm doing real well, thank you. We, um, I know that you are often out and about, so are you at home now or are you on the road? I am at home today, yes. <laughs> well, and that kind of, uh, I just, I, a lot of our readers won't know, but can you tell us a little bit about what your day job currently is? Well, my day job can vary. Uh, today I'm here and uh, I will be fixing a mountain of sewing machines I have sitting in front of me. And another day we might be out uh, teaching somewhere and Shelly and I will pack up the car and uh, put all our stuff in there and drive to where we have to teach. We did that over the weekend actually for three days. We were out in the little town east of here and we taught uh, for three days. So it's uh, it's interesting. It varies from day to day. Do you teach or while you're on the road, are you fixing sewing machines? Depends where we go. Uh, there are some places where I'm fixing as well. Uh, most of the places when we travel is about teaching. It's about teaching, uh, you know, to build a better relationship with your sewing machine and uh, the easy precision piecing stuff. But there are uh, places we go where the store will also take in machines before I get there. And then we spend a few days uh, fixing machines and Shelly pitches in and, you know, helps me to take care of that. All right. And um, so what, in your opinion, what's the best part of having taken your show essentially on the road? Oh, there's, there's so many things. Uh, number one, it's always nice to meet new people. Uh, you know, the store owners are always great to meet. And then of course their clientele. So we make new friends along the way. It's great to see new places. We love to travel. And uh, so it's great to uh, see the countryside. We we drive everywhere because we got to carry so much stuff with us. So we, you know, it's, uh, it's not like flying where you don't see much. So we do get to see a lot and we find that really, really interesting. And, and we enjoy the travel. You know, I know there's some couples that a few hours in the car and... Uh, <laughs> They need counseling, but we're not like that. We really, uh, we really do enjoy our, uh, we really do enjoy our travel. Well, and um, so tell for those of you who don't know, can you kind of introduce uh, who Shelley is? Oh yes, yeah, Shelley's my wife. We have uh, been teaching together since about 1996. Uh, we met uh, in the business, so that was a lot of fun. We already had our little niches, but you know they they crossed over, which was great. And how we started teaching together was that uh, I used to get called into the classroom to uh, help people with machines that weren't cooperating. And pretty soon we saw uh, sort of an opportunity for everyone, us and the students, to incorporate the machine stuff into the classes so that uh, the class could continue for those people who were having the machine trouble. So now we teach all our classes together. If I'm doing the build a better relationship with your sewing machine, Shelly's in the room helping me with that class. And in the 
easy precision piecing, I'm in the room and I'm helping her with that class and actually do a bit at the beginning of that class to help people set up their machine to, uh, or for success in the class. So it's something we've done for years together and we really enjoy it. And, uh, it's unique. You know, when we go to a store, they're getting two teachers. <laughs> That's true. I haven't had a class quite like that. Uh, well, so do the two of you have like a favorite destination, um, that you kind of try to work into your schedule when you can? Well, we have some, um, yeah, I, I suppose we, we do. I, I think one of those might be uh, up in the Yukon, Whitehorse in the Yukon, which is, uh, you know, kind of a long ways away and in a far corner of the country here. And uh, the beautiful drive from where we are now, it's a three-day drive through the through wilderness, but it's uh, pretty fantastic. And the uh, owner up there is uh, in, in the quilt store, Bear's Paw Quilts, is a real character, as are... Uh, her staff and a lot of her clientele. And I don't know, I don't know if it's something about the air up there, but uh, uh, they're interesting people. We always enjoy going there. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so what's the craziest place you've ever worked as a traveling teacher or technician? Oh, well, I don't have really a craziest place, but um, one thing that comes to mind, sort of call it an exotic place if you want, if you want, uh, um, some years ago, I took I took some time off to go sailing, and uh, took took about a year. And I sailed down into the Sea of Cortez in the in the Baja California there, and uh, I was anchored out in La Paz. And every morning, there's a cruiser's net on the radio where new boats coming in. The people will introduce themselves and say what they do, and do you know, kind of meet the, the cruising community. And after I had introduced myself on that first morning, I got a a radio call from a fellow that was in the marina with his boat. And he said he was having a problem with his sewing machine. Could I come in and, and have a look? <laughs> so I got in the dinghy and I motored over to the marina and uh, found his boat, got in, fixed his sewing machine, and he was pretty happy. And he said, how much do I owe you? And uh, I said, well, you don't owe me anything. And he said, well, why? Why wouldn't I owe you anything? And I said, well, this is warranty. Said, what are you talking about warranty? He says, you bought this machine from me before you left Victoria. And uh, it's still under warranty. And so that was kind of a, an interesting <laughs> area where many thousands of miles away, uh, I run into somebody and, uh, you know, I, I always chuckle at that story. And he was pretty, he was pretty happy. So I don't know if that's a crazy destination, but, uh, or a crazy place, but it was one of those weird stories. You know? uh, I'm pretty sure that fixing a sewing machine on a boat might qualify as the craziest place. <laughs> <laughs> And then that like went really, really well. Um, But every teacher that I talk to, especially those who've been teaching for some time, they've got that one classroom moment that went horribly wrong. Um, Uh, Do you have any of those that you can laugh about now, even if you couldn't laugh about it at the time? Well, I I have a a moment that wasn't, um, it wasn't sort of disastrous, but it was really interesting. We, uh, it was actually last year at our Loon Lake retreat, and we had 24 ladies there that were quilting, and uh, they often have me service their machines during this retreat. And uh, one of the ladies had a machine with a thread cutter, which has some very, very tiny little springs in it. <laughs> and as I was cleaning this, the spring became dislodged and went flying. And the place was carpeted. And oh, so no. Tiny little quarter-inch long spring, um, and which was completely necessary for her machine, and which I, I, I never have a spare for because I've never had to replace one. 
it was gone. And what's funny about this is that I had this handful of these quilters on their hands and knees <laughs> on this carpet looking around for this spring. And they, one of them found it. And then uh, I put it, or as I was putting it back in, it went flying again. And this thing repeated itself four times. Oh, no. Four times. All these people were crawling around on the floor trying to find this spring. Eventually, it turned into a successful thing. But if you were watching it, it would have looked quite comical. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, I've got one of those moments myself. Um, well, and so when did you first start fixing sewing machines? Like, how did you get started? Well, I started in uh, the mid 70s. Um, I had actually, I was a manager of a bookstore and I got transferred to another city. And uh, the store I was in was right next to a singer store. And I became friends with the manager there. And uh, he kind of convinced me one day that I should be doing what he was doing. So I, I, the day came when I needed a new job and I went back there and I got that job. And I started out uh, on the workbench and as a salesperson, or on the repair bench, I should say, and as a salesperson. And my sales abilities weren't real good back then. And so it was actually a bit of a touch and go thing because they wanted somebody that could really sell. And I loved the repair end of it. I eventually, I kind of caught up on the sales end, but it, it I really, really loved the repair end of that. And uh, they took in all brands of machines. And uh, I realized uh, about a year and a half in or so that I really would like to be in business for myself. And uh, eventually that happened. I ended up buying a, a dealership from them and uh, just really focused on, on that career. And I, it's something that couldn't have been better for me because when I was a kid, I used to take things apart all the time, you know, watches and radios and TVs and roller skates, whatever it was. And so it was kind of a great industry for me to be in because I love to tinker so much. Definitely. Um, and having read your bio, I've always meant to ask you, um, is there a type of sewing machine you haven't fixed? Ooh, I'm sure there is. Are you, are you thinking brand or style of machine? I don't know. Probably style. Oh, yeah. I, oh, there's probably lots because there are industrial machines that, that vary so much that are very purpose built. I mean, I've worked on machines that build hang gliders. I've worked on um, machines that do harnesses, you know, uh, uh, heavy duty leather harnesses. I've worked on, uh, I, I mean, I've even set up a factory once that made uh, uh, Lycra sportswear right from the ground up. Uh, I have um, 200 needle mattress quilting machines. But that, that, those are just, that's probably just skimming the surface of what's available out, out there. Today, the only industrial machines that I still do are machines that do pleats or award ribbon, that pleated tape. But yeah, I'm sure there's lots of machines that are really, really specialized. Um, that, you know, there are, I, I've worked on machines that insert collars onto shirts and, uh, those types of things. So in garment construction, uh, there are really, really specialized machines. So I'm going to say, there's probably more in the industrial end types of machines I haven't worked on than I have because it is such a varied industry and, and specialized. Wow. You know, I, I have to admit, I'm not even sure I knew that they had such specialized machines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. Often I'll get a call from somebody saying, I, I need to buy an industrial machine. Do you have a used one? And, you know, the question is always, what are you doing with it? So very, very specialized stuff. I, I, I don't do much of that anymore. Uh, simply because I'm so busy on the domestic end that um, 
I just don't do much of the industrial stuff anymore. But I, in the in the domestic end, I'm pretty sure I've I've probably over 43 years worked on every every model of every brand. Um, I would venture to say. Wow. Well, and so, I mean, I know I try to keep, at least in my head, a tally of how many books I've done over the year, uh, over the years. If you had to guess, do you know about how many sewing machines you've fixed? Oh, uh, well, 43 years. And I'm guessing I probably average about 1,500 machines a year. So I'm going to say that's about 65,000 machines. That's a lot of machines. (laughs) That's, That's surprising to me. Yeah, that's a <laughs> <laughs> that is that is you way beat my book tally. So, um, well, so what what is the one thing you know at coming at this from the perspective of a technician? Mm-hmm. What's the one thing uh, you wish every quilter and sewist knew? Hmm. I would say that your machines aren't scary. Um, I, I sometimes in classes I have people say to me, uh, "Oh, our instructor said never, never touch the tension." For example, and and my question back is always, "Well, if you never meant to touch it, how come it has a range of adjustment from zero to nine? So I, I know that's a little, not a real specific answer to your question, but just not to be afraid of their machines, just to to learn them, take the time. You know, if something happens, take a breath, just just take the time to learn your machine. Well, and I, I feel like that's actually kind of what I was thinking about asking you next was um, when you initially talked to me about the idea for your book, you've always kind of thought of it as a relationship guide for sewists and their machines. Um, kind of why is that? I kind of recognized a few years in just how much of a relationship sewists have with their sewing machine. I always say this, it's not like your toaster or your dishwasher. It seems really, really personal, and I can see I, I see people's moods change dramatically depending on how they're getting along with their sewing machines at, at any given time. And they're so attached, you know. Um, for example, I'll have someone bring me a machine on Saturday and say, "There's there, there's no hurry. Monday will be okay." You know, they're so attached they can't be without their machines for any length of time. So I kind of recognize that as as uh, being a relationship that is just so different from any other uh, household appliance, if you will. And I, I base the classes, like the class we do on sewing machines, we call build a better relationship with your sewing machine. And I, I, I base the whole class kind of on that relationship. And it also helps to make the class a little bit lighter. We can have some fun with that concept where I'm just helping people to communicate better with their sewing machine. You know, here's what the machine's trying to tell you if it's not working. And here's maybe what you should tell your machine to get it to do what you want it to do. And it's it's worked out to be a lot of fun over the 20 years or so that I've been teaching that class. So make, makes it a more fun class. I'll have to catch up and take your class at some point because I would <laughs> like a better relationship with my machine. Oh, uh, yes. Well, what, so what's the... if? If somebody just doesn't know where to start or they're maybe a little frustrated, like, you know, you start sewing and it doesn't always do what you want to do. What is the number one thing that anyone can do to kind of start building that better relationship? Well, I think number one is just stop and take a deep breath and, and relax. Don't panic. Just um, just open up your manual and just have a look and see um, what is it. A, what is it I just did what change did I just make before this machine started to uh, misbehave and, and 
just backtrack to the point of that change and say, okay, I changed my upper thread and now I'm getting loops, for example. Okay, so you go back to that, I changed my upper thread, and maybe you pull your thread out and rethread the machine. But just go back to the point at which the problem started and figure out what it was that happened at that point and just redo. That, that's To me, that's I always kind of give that advice to begin with. And I'm going to make a plug for the book here. Uh, but if you're, uh, one thing you can do to start building a better relationship, uh, get a, get your hands on the book and just have a look. Uh, there's lots of things there that explain how your machine works. And if you understand how, I'll tell you, you'll get a long way better. <laughs> well, I, I will say I firsthand, I can say that is true because my first thought was call Bernie, not, you know, do anything <laughs> else. And I managed to run into you at a trade show and you just, took two seconds and you said, no, go to page 80. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've met anybody who knows the page numbers in their book quite so well. well I'm uh, starting to memorize it. <laughs> I bet you are. Well, and then, so is there one thing that you wish, um, and again, as your perspective from a technician, that quilters and sewers would stop doing? Oh, well, uh, mostly don't panic. If something goes wrong, don't panic. Uh, as I said before, just take a deep breath and kind of approach the problem calmly, but don't panic. And I hope I'm not going to offend any husbands here, but maybe don't hand your husband the screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I won't do that, I promise. Uh, and then, so I just, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball in here because I've always wanted to ask this and I think I've always forgotten, but um, are you a quilter yourself? No, you know, I, I don't sew at all. And I always tell people that I've been in enough situations and worked on enough machines, uh, not just, um, uh, let me backtrack a little. I think where I benefited in my career is that I've very rarely sort of been stuck in a room fixing a machine with no interaction with the client or with the job they're doing. Most of my repair stuff has come about as a result of working in a situation where I can see what's going on, like what type of sewing that the sewist is doing, be it quilting or sewing, what fabric they're working with, the, the, the task they're accomplishing. And I've taught enough classes with Shelly where we've done techniques and where we've used feet and that kind of thing that although I don't sew, I can answer so many questions and, and relate the machine or, or what's happening uh, with the machine to the actual task that's being done. So uh, I think that's been a real advantage for me because it just gives me a lot more um, information to draw on when someone calls me and says, you know, I'm just working on something and this happened and I can ask, uh, you know, what were you doing? What kind of fabric were you working with? What's the task? And I ran into a situation yesterday where someone was working with uh, knits and managed to jam it all down inside the needle plate. And so it was easy for me when she described what she was doing to understand what had happened and to suggest, you know, uh, ways to, to overcome that problem. So while I don't sew, um, I, I have a fairly good handle on a lot of the uh, issues and techniques. Um, and so, well, I guess the only other thing I was going to ask you about is what's next. What What are you doing next, or what are you excited about right now that you've got going on? Oh boy, there's a lot on our plates right at this moment. At the end of this month, we're moving to uh, the to the prairies from the coast. Um, 
and we're moving because of uh, our situation. We have uh, lots of travel ahead of us. We have a cross Canada tour starting in April and we, we want to be a little more centrally located to reach some of the places that we want to reach. Um, so that's the reason for our move. Then comes this uh, teaching tour. Uh, com- there will be some, I guess, some U.S. dates in there as well. We're, we're going to be down in Sisters, Oregon. Um, we're heading down to Portland. There, there's quite a few places we're going to. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, April, right? Five days after we move, we have to drive down to Denver. Shelley and I have been asked to be um, guests on the quilt show with Alex Anderson and Ricky Timms, so that's kind of interesting. That's new and exciting, so we'll see what happens from that. Hopefully a lot more teaching um, teaching gigs, so that's good. Yeah, sorry, mostly just sort of out doing teaching, fixing. We, we're going to go to shows to um, show our products, our books, that type of thing. And it uh, looks like a, so far our year's kind of really jammed up, and we'll see see how long that goes. All right. And um, so if somebody wanted to try and catch up with you on that teaching junket and take your class, where would they go and to find out where, where you're going to be? Um, the best bet is going to be on our website. Uh, I haven't posted this tour yet, but I'll be posting it over the next week or so and uh, let people know where we're going to be for sure. And uh, hopefully, uh, if we're not where they are, maybe they'll have a little chat with their local quilt store and see if they might want to See if they might want to bring us around. It'd be a lot of fun. All right. If you look at the information on the podcast, you can find Bernie's website to look up his teaching schedule. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule um, to chat this morning. What's well, morning for you? Um, and I look forward to seeing you at the next show that you come to. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate your interest. Uh, this was quite fun. Wow, what a fantastic conversation with Bernie. I hope you can catch up with both the Tobishes at one of their classes. You can find their full schedule on their website. The link is in the episode description. If you enjoyed the interview, be sure to tune into the next episode. And if you really loved it, share the love and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.